the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Last week, we took a break from Romans to celebrate Christmas. We're back in Romans today as we turn our attention once again to chapter 10, verses 13 through 21. We must obey the gospel. Join us. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. Hi there and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, who returns us once again to the book of Romans. Now we have spent a lot of time in this amazing book, but then it demands an awful lot of our time if we are to understand just exactly what God is giving to us in this amazing book. Chapter 10, verses 13 through 21 is where we find ourselves today. We must obey the gospel. Simple command, straightforward, but the challenge of a lifetime. Here's Pastor Gary and today's Abounding Grace. As Gentiles, do we believe the gospel? When we hear a sermon, do we repent? Because Moses' word is being fulfilled today. And how many years later? 4,000. 3,500 years later, Moses' word is being fulfilled. You ought to let that make your spine tingle just a little bit, brothers and sisters. I'm no people. If I am of God's child, it certainly is not because there is anything noble and mighty in my heritage. It's certainly not because of anything in my bloodline. There's certainly no goodness in me. I was a fool. My family was a fool. Even if we've been Christians for many generations, at some point my family was a fool. We did not build our lives on God's word. But look at what God has done. He has brought us into his covenant. And he has led us hear his word. Oh, God's mercy is great. Fall on it today. Believe his promises. Now he quotes from Isaiah. Because he has two more things to say, and that means we do as well. Isaiah was very bold. This verse goes back to Romans 9.30. The Gentiles who do not follow after righteousness have attained to it. 10.20. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was revealed to those who do not ask after me. Why does it say that Isaiah was very bold? Isaiah prophesied in a day when nationalistic defend Israel reigned. Many said Jerusalem is not going to be overrun by any enemies. That was the only preaching, though, that was allowed. And anyone who dared speak against these nationalistic hopes, and especially against the survival of Jerusalem in the city and capital, often forfeited his life. Tradition says 
that the individual referred to in Hebrews 11.37 that was sawn asunder was Isaiah. That was the price that he paid for preaching God's truth. And many preachers around the world pay the price today for speaking the truth. And they do it most gladly, even if it does bring down the wrath of man upon them. But in today's world, that is irrelevant. Please listen to this for just a minute. Isaiah was a total outsider in his own day. Do you know how Isaiah could have gotten right into the throne room of Ahaz? He could have just said, what the nationalistic expectations that everyone held were. We're going to win everything. We're stronger than those Assyrians. Jerusalem is going to last forever. Power of pride. We shall rise again. Yay! It's the message we hear today. Wave the flag. Defend Israel. Well, that's not what Isaiah preached. Because he knew that wasn't God's will. He knew that was a lie. Isaiah was a total outsider. He preached, God is going to destroy this land and you need to repent or God's going to destroy you too. Now what he said was true. And Isaiah's word shaped the course of the next 140 years in Judah's history. And it shapes the present day. He said, God will be found by those who sought me not. By the way, there's a whole idea running around in the church today that men are really, really seeking the truth. And if we could just present it in a way where it would be palatable to them, maybe some show some movie clips and play more popular music so we can reach these seekers. But the Bible does not speak of dead men as seekers. As a matter of fact, it says they are not seekers except for lies of their own vanity and superstitions. And we've got on Isaiah's authority, speaking as the mouthpiece of God, I was found by those who were not seeking me. You see what we do in America we assume that anyone who leaves room for, say, the X-Files in their thinking, you know, the spooky supernatural, oh, they must be religious. So if they're religious, that must mean they're open to God at least, and then they must be open to Christianity, right? Where did we get that? That's like fortune cookie theology. There's no basis in truth in this. Men do not seek the truth. Men are dead in their trespasses and sins. You see, that's one of the reasons why the church has gotten embarrassed about preaching. Because, well, we believe this, but others don't. So we can't preach that because that's not what they're really seeking. So we just need to scratch them where they're itching. But Isaiah says, be done with all of this. What is God's work in history going to be? I'm going to be found by those who do not seek me. I'll reveal myself to those who are not asking after me. Back to Ezekiel 37. So that everyone will know I did it. 
Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't work in men progressively. He's worked that way in me and probably in most of you, where we came to an awareness of sin. We didn't come to awareness that God exists. We came to an awareness we were sinners. And then maybe that lasted for several years that we just kept beating our heads up against the wall. And then we heard a little bit more about Jesus and we began to think, well, maybe I do need him. I think I have him. And then he brings something else into our lives where we really cast ourselves upon Christ. So yes, God does work in men much of the time, very progressively in terms of converting them in faith and repentance and other times over years. But we need to understand that we were before God, but that what we were before God was working in us, was not victimized seekers. We were rebels and dead men. But interestingly enough, who was relevant in Isaiah's day? Who do you think? Who was relevant a hundred years later when Jeremiah was preaching? Remember, Jeremiah was thrown in a pit. We would say today, Jeremiah, you left yourself irrelevant. No one's going to listen. No one's going to listen to you. Come on, get out there and find common ground with the people. Scratch them where they are itching. Go out there and just lower the standard a little bit so that people with nationalistic, we're going to survive attitude won't feel like there's no hope. But Jeremiah didn't do that because God told him not to do that. And Isaiah didn't do it because Isaiah was a faithful preacher. But who was really relevant in those days? We look back at it now, and it's really clear. Isaiah was the only one in those who believed God's word that was relevant. Same with Jeremiah. He and Isaiah were the only ones who were relevant. Everyone else was irrelevant. Everyone else would just become an archaeological dig. But Isaiah and Jeremiah, their word continues to shape the course of history. The Jews rejected them. Then they rejected Christ. And then God rejected them. And they are still under God's curse today. Isaiah and Jeremiah, they're in heaven rejoicing in the Jesus they preached, fellowshipping with the spirits of just men made perfect and with God. The judge of all. Let this be a lesson to us. Always, always, always believe God's word. Not what other people are telling us. Not what seems right to us. We want to be relevant. And there's nothing more relevant than when God utters his voice to us. Everything else is irrelevant. Utterly irrelevant. So at the cost of our very life, let's speak this truth. Let us speak it lovingly. This is an encouraging word. Anyone can be ugly and narrow, throwing arrows at people. No, God is telling us just to speak his word plainly and lovingly. That word is his power unto salvation. Our nation not only looks increasingly like a valley of dry bones, but it is truly a valley of dry bones.
I wonder what we would think if we could stand in a valley and look at 60 million dead babies' skeletons that were killed here in America, bleaching in the sun. And then I wonder if we could throw on the millions more that were killed in ungodly, no-win wars. If we would realize we are in the same place. We are in the same place as in Jeremiah's day and Ezekiel's day. And we created death here because of our rebellion against God's truth. It is God's truth. And the only way that can possibly bring us back is if we repent and believe that word. So we come to verse 21. Even in the midst of all this unbelief of Israel... Even in the midst of this warning that you are going to lose your place, you are still stiff-necked. I have often wondered, what did the Jews think when Moses said this, and a thousand years later when Isaiah said it? What were they thinking? You're going to lose your place. The Gentiles are going to take your place. They're going to have your covenant. They're going to have your blessings. They're going to enjoy what you should have enjoyed, but you don't believe God's word. I'm sitting here thinking, what were they thinking? It wasn't, oh, we need to repent. But here's the answer. But to Israel, he saith, verse 21, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. But you didn't listen. This is direct quote from Isaiah 65 two, except for one change. Isaiah uses only one word to criticize. All day long I stretched out my, hand, my hands to a rebellious nation. Paul breaks it into two words, disobedient and gainsaying, to bring out both sides of it. Disobedient on the one hand, they refused to humble themselves before God's word. But gainsaying in Greek is just one little participle, and it means anti-word. They rejected the word, opposed the word, and spoke against the word. Turn to Acts 7 and listen to these words of Stephen. They're very relevant here because notice this message. No matter how hardened Israel was, God continued to send prophets to them, preachers of righteousness, begging them to repent. This gesture of him stretching out his hands to them, this was like, come back to me. Read Hosea. I went after you in the darkness, in the wilderness. Come back to me. I love you. I'll forgive you. Come back to me. This is almost pathetic. It's like an aggrieved lover, an injured lover, begging his faithless wife to come back. I'll receive you back. Acts 7.51. Now, please understand, we should always read these words with great solemnity. Because within two or three minutes of uttering them, this man, Stephen, who spoke them, was stoned. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. (coughs) Now, who is Stephen speaking to? He's speaking to the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the Jewish people. Verse 52, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which showed before the coming of the just one. 
of whom you have been now the betrayers and the murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of the angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly unto heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, I see the, hope, the heavens open and the Son of God standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul and they stoned Stephen while he called upon God saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice Lord lay not this sin to their charge and when he said this he fell asleep this is awful but at the same time it's very very moving All day long, God says, and Stephen repeats it, all of these prophets, notice in verse 52, you persecuted every one of them. You rejected every one of them. And now you've rejected Christ, which is just a long line of your continuous rebellion against God's word. When we read these awful words, we should be deeply humbled by God's mercy to sinners. I mean, do you see this picture? Let's say that someone in your neighborhood gets in a fight with you. It's a real brouhaha, fists flying everywhere. He attacks you. Let's say it was their fault. Afterwards, he goes away. He goes his way. You go your way. Then later on, you go and stand at his window and say, friend, I forgive you. Come back. Let's be friends again. He comes outside and thrashes you some more. He just beats you to a pulp. But then you go home, and you clean up your wounds, and your wife gets mad at you, and she yells at you for going back over there. But after a little while, you go back over there again that same day, and you say, hey, I forgive you. Can we be friends? Please come back out. I mean, this is not really a very great analogy, but I'm sure you're getting my point. After a while, this is pathetic. But it's the Lord's long-suffering to all us poor sinners. We are dead in our sins. We have nothing to commend ourselves to Him. We are the ones spitting in His face, trampling on His law, ignoring His word. And we've been doing it for 6,000 years, listening to the lies of Satan. And yet even today, the Lord stretch out, stretches out His arms to us, to us here. And to his church everywhere. And he says, come to me. I'm your savior. Child of God, have you sinned against me this week? Come to me. Yes, I know I am the offended party. But come to me. I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will heal you. Believe my gospel. And the weak voice of human preachers, God himself... The Lord Jesus comes and he stands at the tomb of Lazarus and he preaches to us and he says, come out, be healed, be saved. Pray that we don't ever hear, as he says in Romans 10, you are disobedient because you refuse to yield to God's word. I wonder, do we have anyone here doing that 
right now. You know, as the Christian flavor of our society and the West in general goes down, little things kind, little things kind of get lost. Little nuances, moral cues, like for example, it's biblical and safer for young women to remain under their father's protection until they get married than to live out, of their own, live out on their own. These are things where you can't necessarily point to one single reference. But it's all the principles and philosophies of scriptures that come to a head in a certain conclusion. I know that's just one example among very many, but a lot of people said, if you don't have one verse, I don't have to do it. But what about wisdom? You know, it is sinful not to follow biblical wisdom. I don't have to have a verse. You don't have to have a verse that tells me as a young person, I should not as a practice watch R-rated movies. But some say you don't have a verse, so therefore it's okay. We have Christian liberty. No, it is not okay. Well, you don't have a verse that says I can't. Well, I don't need a verse. Whatsoever things are pure, that's my verse. I don't need to hear blasphemy, that's my verse. I don't need to watch immorality winsomely portrayed, that's my verse. These are all things we can explain from Scripture without a particular verse. And the point I'm making is, we can be disobedient to the Word in very clever ways, like the Jews were whereby we convince ourselves the whole time we're really not disobedient. Oh, no, 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 we are rigorists. We're following the letter of the law. When in reality, we're not following anything but our own deception. So please come to the Lord Jesus. He stretched out his hands to us by the Holy Spirit. You know, we want to come. We want to hear we want to critique the preacher. We want to feel better. But let's leave all that to the Lord. Let's just do the main thing he says. Obey me. Don't speak against my word. And why do I want you to obey me? Because I offer you my life. I offer you forgiveness. I offer you peace. And remember what my word does. My word shakes the heavens and the earth. And the West is being shaken. This nation is being shaken by God's judgments because we have turned away from the word we once confessed. And he's going to continue to shake everything. So expect it until every knee bows to Jesus Christ and every tongue in high places and low places say, He, not man, is the Lord. Christ, not man, is king over every atom in this universe. And that's the flow of history that is what God is doing. And the nations that reject that, they become the valley of dry bones. And there's only one way to recover. And that is for us to believe God's word and obey the gospel. Why? Because God is offering his life to us. He is offering us peace and joy and health and strength. Because when God offers his word, he offers himself entirely. So don't leave his arms hanging today, beloved. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and sup with him and he with me. This is to the church, not to all men in general, but it is certainly said to the church. So when God gives his voice and his word, we need to respond. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to repent of? Where do I need to repent and believe the gospel again? Where do I need to receive you? Where do my idols need to be toppled? Because you have offered yourself to me today and I want you. Oh, let's want him, beloved. Let's seek him. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.